The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Tuesday, June 22nd, which will forever be known as Wander Franco Day. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and a very tan Chris Towers, who was bragging about it right before the podcast so thanks thanks for noticing i had to show you some love you didn't there, have Chris. to say anything oh no, and, and speaking of showing you love, i actually Chris. went outside <laughs> this weekend so you know <laughs> very nice uh thanks cpt for holding down the host chair yesterday i was a little beat up but job well done and i like to think this is the uh, the first time we've been podcasting together all three of us in about a month it's it's been a minute it's been a minute. I almost I'm I'm not gonna lie, I almost called out sick today. I was back at work for one day and I I, I needed I needed a break. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. It is uh it's rough hosting the weekend podcast, but I do appreciate it. Today on the podcast, we are gonna talk about some struggling starting pitchers. Offense remains up quite a bit in June compared to the first two months of the season. We have a little dynasty strategy talk, your team name Tuesday, and Jacob deGrom made it through a start healthy, and he was the first person to be checked by umpires for foreign substances. Nothing crazy happened in that regard, right, on Monday night. I didn't see anybody caught with any substances, but... Nothing that I saw. Apparently, they're enforcing this rule. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This you know. is the first day. This is the yeah. first day that they're being proactive Checking pitchers' gloves, their hats, their belts, which is, you know, kind of awkward. <laughs> Taking your belt off in front of 30,000 people, I'm sure. Not yeah. something I can relate to, but... <laughs> who who was it that took his pants off accidentally while uh, getting Steve, the dirt out? Steve Lyons. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Like you just Everybody should have to do that. Just, just drop trowel right in the mound to make sure you're not smuggling any... Uh, Basically, what it it looked like. Yeah. Now there. So I guess those are the places not to put the foreign substance. You know. (laughs) Now now that they've kind of tipped their hand on that. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to find ways to make baseball baseball more entertaining. Why not? (laughs) Right. Hey, drop your britches on the mound and let's do this. All right. Anyway, let's talk about some of the standouts from Monday. Oh my good goodness gracious! More on oh my goodness gracious in a little bit, man. Gosh, people continue. To hate it quite a bit. I, it's, it's it's like a three second clip. I don't I don't think it's that big of a deal. Anyway, Chris, I stand out from Monday. Who you got? I guess we got to talk about Jake Odorizzi, who almost threw a the first part of a no hitter. I guess is the way you would put this. Five no hit innings, nine strikeouts. Is it five perfect innings? 
for him? No walk? No, no he, he had a walk. He walked okay, one. one walk. It's a good start. The Astros allowed two hits ultimately, but the no-hit bid was extended into the eighth. And Odorizzi, uh, a very good start for him, and that's not something we've seen a ton of from him. But the, you know, that's now, what, nine scoreless innings in a row, two hits allowed over that span with 12 strikeouts. So, you know, maybe signs of Odorizzi starting to figure things out and be the guy that the uh, Astros were hoping they would be getting. Yeah, I couldn't tell if this was Odorizzi being great or just the Orioles being the Orioles, but it's worth mentioning for sure. Five no-hit innings, nine strikeouts, 13 swinging strikes on 86 pitches. So he wasn't terribly efficient. He needed 86 pitches to to get through only five innings. Mm -hmm. Uh, He threw his four-seam fastball 69% of the time, so went really heavy on that pitch. And he averaged a season-high 93.4 miles per hour on that fastball, which is up from 92 that he was averaging on the season. He's 60% rostered. Scott, anything to see here with Jake Odorizzi? I mean, potentially. Yeah, I mean, his his 2019 season was the best of his career, and not many pitchers can say that about 2019. Won 15 games with the 351 ERA, 10.1K per nine, and he did it mostly on the strength of his fastball, which, uh, which you pointed out, Frankie, threw 69% of the time in this one. So... Also noteworthy, his spin rates were about what they've been this whole time. So, at least at least no drop there. It's good to see. Which you can't say for a few other starting pitchers that we'll get into. We saw some uh, pretty big spin rate drops, which could make sense moving forward with uh, starting pitchers getting checked now by the umpires. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will get into that. How does Jake Odorizzi compare to, I guess, some of the other most added starting pitchers? We've basically been comparing everyone to Shane McClanahan, or at least we did on the live Q&A, which was very successful. Thank you for everyone who showed up. We'd rather have There is no comparison to Shane McClanahan, Frank. So don't even <laughs> don't even start down that path. That's that's what I like to hear. Shane McClanahan's only 63% rostered, so I think that number should be uh, much higher. Jake Odorizzi right behind him there at 60% rostered. How about Odorizzi versus somebody like Ross Stripling? 59%. I think I'd probably go Odorizzi. Yeah, I, I, I've never been a huge Odorizzi guy even during that 2019 season, but I I don't see a lot that's really winning me over to Stripling other than his ERA of late. Maybe his start tomorrow changes my mind. Right, his start well, today, against I tomorrow, say. right? Yeah. Yes. So it's not... I mean, I guess they got the two good hitters. They're, they're the two in guys the same, driving in a lot of runs. They're in the same range, probably, as guys who have been interesting in the past. And are starting to look kind of interesting now, but I think still have a ways to go. Yeah, and you know, like Odorizzi, three fifty one ERA in twenty nineteen. He hasn't been good since then, but we've only seen, I think this makes 45, 44 innings from him over the last two seasons. And you know, there have been stretches of his career where he's been interesting. Yeah, and I don't think he's ever going to give you a lot of volume in terms of innings because I know even back in twenty nineteen when he was really good, yeah. they almost never let him go third time through the order. It was a lot of five-inning starts. So I think that's probably what should be expected here with the Houston Astros. Scott, your oh-my-goodness-gracious player from Monday. Frankie Montas making me look like a fool, Frankie is, because he allowed eight eight earned runs in five and two-thirds innings uh, in his start against the Rangers. Oh, gosh, that makes it worse. Um 
I will point out previous eight starts at 311 ERA, 121 whip, 10.1 K per nine. So he appeared to be on the right track. In his last couple starts, especially, we saw that splitter, we saw the splitter play up while its RPM was dropping significantly, over 200 RPM loss on the splitter. But that's, that's a good thing for the splitter. And it was starting to look as dominant as it did during Frankie Montas's breakout 2019 season. Well, the spin rate was again down on the splitter in this start, but the spin rate was also way down on everything else. It was down about 150 RPM on all of Montas's other pitches, mm-hmm. which may not mean anything, but it's interesting that it happened on the day MLB uh, decided to be proactive with its enforcement of the you know, cracking down on pitches for the foreign substances. And, and you know, it makes me wonder, and you've, you've kind of already alluded to it, Frank. Uh, we've So basically, since it was first reported around the start of June that this was coming, we've seen many pitchers' RPMs go down. That's happened to a lot of pitchers. But now that it's being enforced, that's, that's like a... a, a Another level, right? Mm-hmm. So are we going to see even more pitchers spin rates drop that we haven't seen any signs of yet? Certainly seems possible. I'm not saying for sure that's what happened with Montas. I think we need to see a few more starts to conclude that definitively. Um, and, and that goes for everyone. You know, yeah. you know, what, whatever we, we do or don't see over the next you know couple of days, we will probably want to wait, even with the guys who... You know the trend started before today. I, I you want to wait a couple of weeks just because that does vary from start to start. Yes, yes, but it's it's interesting. It's interesting, and and you know, it kind of makes me wonder why at the start of June we 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 you know there, there's reason to believe pitchers stopped using substances. Then why didn't they just wait until it was going to be enforced? I don't know if there was. They didn't really know what was going to happen. They didn't really know if it was already being enforced, and they just, or if they just wanted to get ahead of it and and I think know, get used to life without of it. I think that's probably more of it. Yeah. yeah, I think they kind of wanted an adjustment period, right? So two, three starts, whatever it was, of I guess pitching without substances. And Tyler Glass now said he basically went cold turkey the start before he got hurt, and that's why he was gripping the baseball tighter and and. He thinks that's what led to his injury. So I guess, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. We've seen, you know, Corbin Burns, Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole, to name a few. There's a few other ones. Tarek Skubal, I know his spin rates have been down. Uh, but, you know, that's a handful of, I'm sure, a bunch that have probably, like, slipped past uh, in terms of monitoring their spin rates. But definitely interesting for Frankie Montas. And would it really surprise us if he was using sticky stuff? I mean, the guy got popped for PEDs too, right? So it's not the most... Uh, Honest person, I guess. I mean, it sh- it shouldn't surprise us. It's, yeah, it anybody. wouldn't surprise me if anybody did. Right. He let he without sin throw the first stone. Right. <laughs> uh, another pitcher with spin rates down and only lasted four innings in his start. He wasn't terrible, but Tyler Malley at the Twins, I noticed four innings, three runs, three walks, one hit by pitch. So control got away from him here. Maybe couldn't grip the ball, but eight strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes on 93 pitches. He allowed a lot of hard contact in this one. The spin rate on his fastball was down 133 RPM. The spin rate on his slider down 209 RPM. So 
quite a bit there for Tyler Malley. Still was able to wha- uh, rack up the whiffs and the strikeouts. And I'll just kind of marry them together here with Julio Rios. The spin rates weren't down, but he just wasn't good against the Padres. Four innings, six runs, four walks. He now has a 6.43 ERA over his last five starts. Uh, Julio Arias does. And it's basically been the lack of control during that time. In his first 10 starts, he allowed one walk or less in eight of those over his last five. That span that I just mentioned, two plus walks in four of five of those starts. And he had four walks on Monday night. So Chris, between Tyler Malley and his spin rates, Julio Arias and... Control kind of getting away from him over his last five starts. How concerned are you over these two? I'm more concerned about Arias because my expectations were higher. He He's someone who I, I did at one point view as a top 30 starting pitcher. And the last handful of starts have been... I mean, it's not been all bad. There's been two quality starts in there. One blow up. Um, one where he was an out short of a quality start. So... Uh, you know, this is the first one, I think, where the walks have really been an issue. He hasn't had more than two walks in any start this season. Yes, three of the four, five times he's had, or four of the five, six times he's had two or more walks have come in his last five starts. But two walks over five innings, two walks over five and two, that's not really concerning. Tonight was the first time that it was really concerning, but... You know, obviously, I think because expectations are higher, that's a little more concerning. On the other hand, Malley does have some concrete explanations for why he might have struggled with that spin rate being lower. And if he can't turn that around, you know, that could be a legitimate issue for him so far moving forward where Arias may not have that same explanation. Scott, anything on Tyler Malley and Julio Arias that you saw from Monday? I mean, as as good as Malley's been recently, uh, his first three starts in June... You know, one, he gave up four and runs, but everything else looked good. You know, other than the spin rate, I don't have any concerns there. And, and even with the spin rates, encouraging to see him get five plus whiffs on all three of his pitches. Mm-hmm. So not too worried there. Um, but Arias, you know, the fact he was going seven innings on occasion Early in April and yeah. May, and now it's, you know, past five starts, one quality start and usually because he's not going deep enough and I just wonder if it's going to be kind of a downward trend there with the innings because they're going to have to they're going to have to save some for late especially with the the losses they've already suffered with their starting rotation yeah I think it all goes back to the control for Julio Arias the reason he was able to go as deep as he did earlier in the season was because he wasn't walking guys he was keeping the pitch to, uh, the pitch count down and you know, for the last five, as I mentioned, uh, the control's been a little bit worse. This was really, again, Chris mentioned it the first time where it was really bad for Julio Arias. Before we get to the news and notes, if you enjoyed the podcast and you haven't yet, please leave us a five-star rating with a question in the review, and we will answer it on a future podcast. We do really appreciate that. We're closing in on, I believe it's 2,500 Apple Podcast reviews. So it's a nice little milestone for us there. With that being said, Amanda with six A's. One, two, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero. Even if you really hate the oh my goodness gracious soundbite, but love everything else on the podcast, is that really a reason to leave us two stars? Come on, man. Like, uh, come on, Amanda. Amanda. I don't know. It's like for every one person that complains about it, there's been 10 people that say they love it. So I don't know. I'm just. 
I'm in a weird spot. Sounds here. like sounds like everything else in the world then. <laughs> You're not wrong. All right, let's answer a few of those APR questions here at the top. This one's from Deprez14. Chicks dig the new couches, Scott. So all right. People are noticing. Yeah. Let's go. Rank the following yeah. catchers rest of season in a six by six league. The Yerminator. I assume this is an ESPN league where he has catcher eligibility. That's Yermin Mercedes. Max Stassi, and Carson Kelly. Sorry, this question was asked last week, so Carson Kelly is now hurt. Who would you rather have, your mean Mercedes or Max Stassi? I actually, might have actually gotten this same question last night, Frank, uh, Scott. Or uh, We might have asked that question at least, or maybe on the YouTube show. But I, I said Stassi whenever that was, so I'll stick with that one. What do you think, Scott? <sighs> Yeah, this is a tough. I mean, obviously, we're not used to talking about Mercedes with catcher eligibility because he doesn't have it on CBS or most other sites. And obviously, he hasn't been that productive since April. But man, he still plays a lot more than most catchers do. Mm, that's a good point. I think I I think I would continue to roll with Mercedes to myself as a catcher. Your me Mercedes has sat three of the last eight games. None of those were in National League parks. So perhaps he's just starting to lose playing time because he's playing as poorly as he is. The batting average is down to 266 for your mean Mercedes. I'll break the tie. I would take Max Stassi. Uh, rank these following starting pitchers in a quality start league. Zach Davies, Joe Ross, Patrick Corbin, Adbert Alzali, Patrick Sandoval, and Vladimir Gutierrez. I would rank them Alzali, followed by Corbin, followed by Sandoval. And I'm starting not to care at this point, but I will say... Uh, Agreed. <laughs> uh, Ross Davies Gutierrez is the last three. All right. This one's from Steve Z, 31. Grade the trade in a points league. Give up Kenta Maeda, Andrew Heaney, and Will Myers. Received Kevin Biggio and Luis Castillo. Maeda Heaney Myers for Biggio and Luis Castillo. Po- um, points. I up. think that's a B. Yeah, I mean, really just for Castillo, I think he's the best player here. Will Myers did have a big weekend where some, something like he had three of his six hardest balls all hard three of his six hardest hit balls all season this weekend. So hopefully he's coming out of it, but that's, that's not enough to hold up the trade for me. Yeah. I think you get two of the three best players in the trade. Yes. Uh, I would agree. I think it's, it's like a B minus B in that range for me. Uh, Will Myers had six hits over the weekend, including two homers and four RBI. He is currently 0 for three on Monday night. News and notes. Jacob DeGrom made it through a start healthy. So, Please continue to do this, Jacob DeGrom. We need you. And he was up against the Braves. Five shutout with one hit, two walks, and six strikeouts. 18 swinging strikes on 70 pitches. The velocity was fine, Scott. He averaged 99.6 miles per hour. On the fastball, his scoreless streak is now at 30 innings pitched. His ERA is down to 0.50. One or zero earned runs in 12 straight starts. Guys, ridiculous. Stay healthy, Bubba. Just stay healthy, please, Jacob. De goat. Adalberto Mondesi was placed on the IL with a strained left oblique. It is June 22nd, and he has played 10 games. So, one of the most frustrating players to own this season, Adalberto Mondesi. 
we kind of knew this was in his range of outcomes. He dealt with so many injuries so far in his career. When he's played, he's been really good. But again, it's it's only been 10 games. So I would say, especially in Roto League, continue to hold on to him. Points, uh-huh. Shallower points leagues, you could probably drop him if you have no IL spots left, Scott. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, he was he was not somebody we ranked especially high at that position <laughs> coming into the season. I, I think I had him outside of my top 12 for points leagues. Yeah. So, so that's fine. And I don't think he's necessarily close to a call-up, but it's worth mentioning with Monacy going on the IL, what Bobby Witt Jr. has been doing recently. Five straight multi-hit games going into Monday night. I didn't get to check what he did. That's at AA, where he is now batting 343 with a 405 OBP and a 672 slug in the month of June and has elevated his season-long OPS to 913, Scott. So there's, I don't think there's a chance that Bobby Witt gets called up from AA. I still think he's probably going to get some time at AAA. He's super young. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree, though. I mean, just because the Royals flirted with the concept of having a begin this year in the majors back in spring training. It wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world either if they if they sped him to the majors, particularly how well he's hit of late, particularly with Mondesi constantly being unavailable. It wouldn't shock me, but it's my expectation is he'll stop at AAA first. Chris, I swear I didn't plan this, but you are back just in time to be reminded that Byron Buxton left early on Monday after getting hit by a pitch on his left hand, <sighs> and it's just it's bad luck, right? Like you can't foresee a hit-by-pitch coming, and he did stay in the game, actually, for an extra inning there, and then he got removed a little bit later on, so sucks because it comes earlier in the week if you play in a weekly league, but hopefully everything is all right. He's, uh, I assume, going to go for some testing there. That is Byron Buxton. Yeah, he he was having uh, imaging taken during the game, so hopefully we'll find out tomorrow. Uh, Aaron Savale left Monday start with an apparent finger injury. He'll visit a hand specialist, Savale, had thrown four and two-thirds shutout with five strikeouts to that point in the game, and Cleveland really, really cannot afford another injury to their pitching staff, given Shane Bieber and Zach Plesak, who are currently on the IL. So, man, like, every team is dealing with attrition right now, but Cleveland, wow, they are just, they're getting blasted right now. Fernando Tatis, Jose Ramirez, and Nelson Cruz each returned to the lineup for their respective teams on Monday. Kyle Tucker did not return, and he will not return until the mid to late part of this week. Josh Donaldson has now set out four straight games, though I saw he was pinch hitting. I believe he was intentionally walked. And then while he was on first base, he was pinch run for by who? Miguel Sano. So they really do not want Josh Donaldson running the bases right now. I'm surprised he hasn't gone on the IL yet. Max Muncie will return to the lineup on Tuesday for the Dodgers. Cody Bellinger will be back on Wednesday. Brett Anderson exited Monday's start with right knee discomfort. Eduardo Escobar was out of the lineup Monday and has been diagnosed with a slight strain of his right quad, a.k.a. they might be close to trading him. Uh, the White Sox are apparently one of the teams interested in Eduardo Escobar. Fran Reyes will begin a rehab assignment this week. He was batting 257 with 11 home runs in 40 games before getting hurt. Uh, friend Reyes is 77% rostered, so if he's available in any shallower categories leagues, I think you could look at adding Fran Reyes. Jesus Lazardo was optioned back to AAA. He currently has a 6.87 ERA with a 1.63 whip. He is 53% rostered. We could drop Jesus Lazardo, right? Yeah, if you're talking about a standard size league, I might hesitate in, in something as deep as a 15-team. Yeah. Course. 
That's what I was thinking. The only one where I might hang on to him is a 15 teamer. Yeah. Chris, are you all right? Dynasties are different animal altogether. I said, Chris, are you all right? <laughs> uh, so I, I, during my vacation, I got like a, a sinus cold and I'm um, still dealing with the ramifications of that. So you weren't <sighs> kidding when you said you almost, uh, no. Yeah. It, been it's, sick. it's been, uh, it, it, it hit me over the last couple of hours, but I'm going to try to power through. Um, <laughs> I got a cough drop and just took some Flonase. So we'll see. All right, man. If you've got to go, we we understand. Well, you, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, Jesus Lozardo, great time to go buy and, and keep her in dynasty leagues. If if anyone's freaking out there, Sixo yeah. Sanchez was cleared last week to extend his throwing distance off flat ground to 75 feet. I think optimistically, maybe by August we could see. Uh, yeah, Sanchez. I think if everything went right, yeah, August first would be a best case scenario. We had a bunch of Mets news. Jeff McNeil returned from the IL. He is 81% roster. Jonathan VR left Monday with right calf tightness. Joey Lucchese was diagnosed with a significant UCL tear in his left elbow, likely going to need Tommy John surgery. Yuri's Familia was placed on the IL. Robert Gazelman will be out six to eight weeks with a torn lat. And some prospect updates the Angels' first round pick from last year, a pitching prospect, Reed Detmers. Struck out a career-high 14 while allowing just two runs over six innings on Sunday at AA. That included an immaculate inning. So it's pretty fun to see the 2020 draft picks showing up so far. Reed Detmers, Kate Cavalli we spoke about recently with the Nationals. Spencer Torkelson just hit his second home run since being promoted to AA. So that's fun. And Vidal Brujan. Went two for five with a home run on Sunday. Keep that up so we can see you soon as well. And join your buddy, Wander Franco, here in the majors. Scott, you've got an article that is coming out on Tuesday talking about hitters who have turned their seasons around since the beginning of May. We know that April was a historically bad month for offense. And I actually took it one step further, and I looked specifically at just June and comparing that to April versus May. So the first two months of the season, Scott, a 236 batting average, 288 Babbitt, 24% strikeout rate, 13.2% home run to fly ball ratio. In June, batting average way up, 11 percentage points, 247. Babbitt is up about 7 percentage points. Strikeouts are down a little bit, 23.3%. And home run to fly ball ratio, this is pretty significant across all of baseball in June. 14.6%, so up about one and a half percentage points here, Scott. Uh, June, if this is a sign of things to come, I don't know if like they've changed baseballs. I'm not going to speculate, whatever, but obviously they're <laughs> cracking down on foreign substances. But yeah, offense is up, and this is good. This is fun. Yeah, it's up, and you, you know, it, it, it looks less extreme when you can combine April and May like that and compare it in June. Really what's happened this year is we've had basically a completely different environment in each of the three months we had um, it's crazy it's so weird the, the worst the worst environment in recent memory for hitters in april in may it was closer to typical maybe something like 2018 in terms of offensive production you know batting average still not quite what we want it to be but the power was coming around strikeout rate was you know improving and and then june it's it's been it's been more like more like 2019 or, or you know maybe 2017 is fair to say um, where you know home runs are just the ball's just flying out of the park everywhere and it's normal for offense to increase 
over the course of the season as it warms up. Uh, BABIP goes up, home run rate goes up, but what's happened this year isn't normal. And so I think between, you know, I don't know how much the dead in baseball is to blame for what happened in April as much as just unseasonably cold uh, temperatures pretty much, pretty much around the league. Uh, especially seeing how closely that's tied to offense over the course of the season, just temperature. I wonder if that had more to do with it than anything else. Cause may, you know, may was more or less fine. It was, you know, the strikeout rate was still up, but which, which caused batting average to be down. But in terms of home runs being hit and all and, and, and BABIP, it was probably what you would have expected. And, and then June I'm assuming because spin rates are down for so many big pitchers, we're seeing we're seeing the typical June effect being like amplified. Yeah, yeah, it's an overdrive right now. So it's been really hard to to manage from a fantasy baseball standpoint, and I suspect the ledger is going to favor offense even more going forward as as this. Uh, foreign substances rule gets enforced. So hold on to your hats, everybody. July could be even crazier. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's very welcome. Again, it's it, it took so long for offense to come around, but it's, it's obviously very fun now to see so many home runs flying out of the park. And Scott, you picked out so many hitters here and people could read about them on the website. Uh, but I broke them down into three categories. And we're going to start with the first one here. Which fringe hitter do you like most? These are players that are rostered between 78 and 86% of leagues. So they're probably rostered in uh, in most leagues where people play. But between Jorge Polanco, these are players who have seen the biggest OPS increase from April to May 1st on. So Jorge Polanco, Jonathan Scope, Kyle Schwarber, Ryan Mountcastle, Andrew McCutcheon, who's actually only 71% rostered, Tommy Pham, and Gavin Lux. Who is your one or two favorites from that list of uh, fringe hitters? Tommy Pham. Yeah, I'm Tommy right, Pham. I'm right there with you with Pham. So 902 OPS for Pham since the start of May and nine stolen bases. During that same time, he had a 503 OPS in April, so about a 400 point difference there. And uh, I basically thought he was done in April, and I was very wrong. Um, so he's my favorite. He gets on base a ton too. Second favorite, uh, probably Schwarber. I, I mean, the thing is, you know, what's interesting about a lot of the players uh, that we may mention on the podcast, but certainly in the column, is that as good as they've been since May 1st, their April, during that historically bad April for offense, their April production was so poor that their season-long numbers still don't look that great. Mm-hmm. And so if you just discard April because it was crazy and and assess them from May 1st on, they, you suddenly come away with a very different impression. What's interesting about Schwarber, so he had a 619 OPS in April, 929 OPS since then. But if you just look at his season-long numbers, so you include April in there, it's about what it was in 2019 when we saw when it was the best version of Schwarber we've ever seen. So you don't really have to play any magic tricks to see how how much better Schwarber is. And you know if he just if he just sustains his his season season stats, he'll be awfully useful going forward. 
He has been quite bad against left-handed pitching, which for most of his career has been the case. He's batting just 213 with a 659 OPS against lefties this year. That's 252 with a 910 OPS against right-handed pitching. But yeah, I'm, I'm there with you with Schwarber. And while he strikes out a lot, he walks quite a bit too. So that kind of helps things in points leagues. It helps uh, mitigate those strikeouts. So I do like Schwarber. It seems like he might be motivated too after uh, being non-tendered by the Chicago Cubs in the offseason. Trying to get a payday here with uh, someone after a one-year deal. I think it's a one-year deal. It might be something with an option with the Nationals. Uh, but yeah, for sure, Tommy Pham right there with you, Scott. Since May 1st on, batting 296 homers, 9 stolen bases, 29 runs scored in 46 games. Been leading off for one of the better lineups in baseball with the San Diego Padres. I would consider him a buy high. I don't, I don't know how high you're going to have to buy him, but... Whatever it would take to get Tommy Pham, I'd, I'd be pretty excited to try and get him. The one that I will kind of poo-poo here is Andrew McCutcheon. Since May 1st on, he has a 903 OPS, which is very good. But his splits are still super drastic on the season. Versus left-handed pitching, a 301 batting average, a 1,000 OPS on the nose. Against right-handed pitching, 176 with a 627 OPS. It's just, that kind of, for, for me, it just kind of limits my excitement for Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, um, I'm trying to see how that's changed from month to month. And I don't think I'm going to be able to look that up very quickly. Yeah, I don't. That's one of the harder things to look up is splits versus... Double splits, basically. Yeah, 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 it's tough. So, yeah, no, I I hear you. I hear you. Um, But a 903 OPS overall over close to two months, I I have to imagine he hasn't been a total disaster against righties during that time because it just it just seems like the math wouldn't work out yeah no i mean that, that's a good point and something looking into further but still impressive 903 ops may 1st on for andrew mccutcheon this next category that i have where should you add these players that have seen huge increases jonathan india it seems like we talk about the guy every single day he had a, another very solid game on Monday, he went three for five with a walk, picked up his fifth steal of the season. He also was caught stealing for the third time. Uh, he's 65% rostered. Scott, at this point, is he just like a universal must-add regardless of format, Jonathan India? Yeah, I would say so. It's a 400. So not only is an A31 OPS since the start of May, but it's a 400 on base percentage. And there's been some power. There's been some speed. And he's batting leadoff, which everybody loves. So... Dual eligible, you know, um, there, there's something there for points leagues. There's something there for, for categories leagues. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty high on India moving forward. How about these for these two, Scott? Jock Peterson, who's 45% rostered, and Cesar Hernandez, who is 52% rostered. Cesar Hernandez, people might not have realized since May 1st, batting 240, which isn't great, but with 10 home runs. And his stat cast numbers for most of the season his expected stats look pretty good, and he's just kind of coming around uh, over these past two months. So anywhere yeah. you, you have to add either of these, Jock Peterson or, or Cesar Hernandez? I wouldn't say have to, but there's certainly no shame in adding either in any format. And uh, for for Hernandez, historically, batting average has been his most bankable category. So the fact that he's... It, it, the power sustained him mostly, and he's batting 240 overall. And, you know, he, he hasn't hit much better than that, even eliminating April. But um, 
the expected stats are similar to what they've always been in terms of expected batting average. And it's like around 260, which doesn't sound that great, but obviously he has a history of outperforming that. And um, the strikeout rate is similar. So I, I kind of wonder if the best is yet to come for Cesar Hernandez. But even as things stand, his OPS has gone from 527 in April, 784 since April. Yeah, so it's solid for a leadoff guy for Cleveland, but uh, not a must-add anywhere yet. Deeper leagues, middle infielder, sure. Jock Peterson, five outfielder leagues. If you're desperate, you know what he's going to give you. He's going to give you power, uh, and I guess not really much else there with the Chicago Cubs. This final category, Scott, that I broke these guys down into, which one are you most likely to buy high on? Gary Sanchez, Brian Reynolds, Charlie Blackman, Paul Goldschmidt, Dansby Swanson, yeah, relative term, by high. Uh, Kevin Biggio, who's been much better, and Jose Altuve, who's just been otherworldly, specifically in the month of June. Which one of those would, would you be most likely to buy high on? Probably Altuve, because as you know, I recently moved, made him my number one second baseman for the rest of the season. Like, rest of season rankings, he is now number one. He's my number one second baseman, and obviously that's something I'd pay up for. But I do want to point out a couple things other things here if I may mm-hmm. Brian Reynolds since the start of May has a 999 OPS he has been he has been amazing and you know in April his OPS was near 800 so it wasn't even that bad of an April but he he looks as good as he did as a rookie in in 2019 but now with even more power like his his babip during this stretch that he has a 999 ops is actually lower than the babip he had during his rookie season so uh, i mean he 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 looks he looks like a player for sure Brian Reynolds uh Dansby Swanson also 583 ops in April 805 since April, 805 doesn't sound that high, but it's it's almost exactly what it was last year and what we considered his breakout season. In fact, all of his numbers since since April ended, all of Swanson's numbers look, you know, the stat line is almost identical to what he had during his breakout season last year, including strikeout rate. It's it's you know, since since the start of May, it's dropped to about what he had last year in terms of strikeouts. So he seems to be back on track. The, the season line still doesn't look that impressive because it's being weighed down so much by that April. But he's somebody who I think it might make sense to just discard April. Scott, if you were trying to buy high on Jose Altuve and you had one of Trevor Rogers or Freddie Peralta, who we talk a lot about the innings limits that could come up at some point this season for them, do you think that's enough to offer one of those guys for Altuve? And if you had them, would you do that? Who are we talking about again? Would Elias? you give up your Trevor Rogers or Freddie Peralta to acquire Jose Altuve? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's fair. I don't know if you'll be able to do much better than that. You know, if pitching is a weak spot for you, obviously you might you might think twice about it. That maybe maybe don't trade those guys without getting a pitcher in return. But I, I think that's fine. I think that makes sense. That that sort of deal. Uh, Brian Reynolds, just want to go back to him real quick, Scott. You mentioned the BABIP, and I think it's probably not at where he was back in 2019 because a lot of his batting average and and this OPS is driven by home runs. So those balls are going on over the fence, and I guess technically they're not being factored into BABIP, but 10 home runs over that 43-game stretch, 
That's a 34 homer pace over 150 games. And if the ball continues to just fly out in July and August during these warm weather months, I don't know if that power pace is technically going to slow down for Brian Reynolds. So I'm with you. Yeah, I I mean, I would take the under, but it's it's at least feasible. Yes. That it he could continue something close to that. Go out and send some trade offers for Brian Reynolds if people don't realize just how good he has been. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to talk about one hitter who hasn't turned it, turned it around in June, and we'll try and figure out what's going on. We'll do that next here. Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So, Eugenio Suarez, having a nice game on Monday, two for three with his 15th home run of the season. He is still batting just 176 at this point. And that's with a BABIP that is below 200. He's got a 301 BABIP for his career. Uh, and we realized, we got this email, received this email from Kevin, longtime listener, first-time emailer. So welcome, Kev, to the, to the email life. What is wrong with Eugenio Suarez? Should I drop him for Gene Segura, who just hit the IL and is now on waivers? I am struggling at second base with Jazz and Colton Wong. I don't think your second base situation is all that bad. But basically, Scott, is Eugenio Suarez just completely droppable? What has gone wrong with him this year? It's a 10-team points league, which maybe puts it in perspective. Chisholm, Jess Chisholm, not as valuable in a points league. And of course, 10-team league has a high threshold to meet for offense. Uh, So I understand where he's coming from with that. As for Suarez, I'm losing faith. I'm losing faith quickly. Last week, I did a dynasty stock watch that I try to do a few times over the course of a season. And uh, I have the five biggest risers, the five biggest fallers in terms of dynasty value. Suarez was among my five biggest fallers in the most recent version of that, which means, um, obviously, uh, even even from a long-term perspective, I'm not uh, not feeling, feeling the same way about him that I did. And Uh, He was bad last year, too, and everybody kind of gave him a pass because the power numbers were still great. And remember, two years ago, he had that 49 homer season. Seemed like in a dynasty context, he was going to be your answer at third base for a while. But um, you combine last year's stats with this year's stats for Suarez, over his past 125 games, he's batting 184. 29 home runs, but 184. For in, in nearly full seasons, three quarters of a season anyway, uh, worth of at bats. So, I mean, I, I don't know that any more needs to be said than that, really. Yeah, and yeah, I was looking particularly at his batted ball data to see what's going wrong this year. His line drive rate is a career low; it's right around fifteen percent. His ground ball rate is the highest it's been since twenty fifteen. Obviously, those two things are going in opposite directions, which you don't want to see from a power hitter. His hard contact is also way down this year, according to StatCast. So I think it might be related to that shoulder injury that he suffered, I think it was last January, Scott, where I think something happened with him in a swimming pool. He had to have surgery on his shoulder, and he wasn't going to be ready for the start of the 2020 season if it started on time. 
in April, but things right. got delayed and, and he was able to get back for the shortened season uh, in July. But, you know, we've seen shoulder surgeries, derail careers, sat people of power. Maybe he'll get things back on track by next year. He's a. Eugenio Suarez is still just 29 years old, so there's a chance, but I think he still might be feeling some some of the effects of that shoulder injury that he suffered last season. So pure speculation, but we've seen it happen before. Uh, I do want to talk about some dynasty trade strategy, Scott, because I posted a question in our Facebook group last week. Oh, for those wondering, yeah, Chris is gone. Um, he's not feeling well, so <laughs> please feel better, Chris. I really I wanted to address this like 15 minutes ago when he dropped off, and then we just kept talking about stuff and I forgot about it. So feel better, Chris. He held it down yesterday and, and now we'll do the same for him. Uh, some dynasty trade strategy discussion. And I asked our Facebook group for some tough questions and we had some dynasty related ones. So I wanted to pick your brain a little bit here, Scott. And we spoke about this in the off season, just dynasty strategy in general. And you've mentioned the term uh, retooling rather than rebuilding. So you can hit on that a little bit more, but specific questions and I'm interested in, in this myself. It's what should you expect? Say you're a team that's out of contention. You have someone like Max Scherzer on your team, maybe a Clayton Kershaw, just older starting pitchers in general. What are you trying to look for when you have those older players on your team and, and you're just not necessarily competing? Well, um, it certainly varies from dynasty league to dynasty league. The biggest distinction there, there, there are two major distinctions with dynasty leagues. One is how deep is the league? Is it twelve teams? Is it twenty-four teams? Is it something in between? Because that that makes a big difference with trades. The other, and maybe this is maybe the biggest of all, is are prospects kept on equal terms, on the same terms as major leaguers, or are they? discounted in a significant way because if, if their keeper cost is discounted in a significant way, they, they become much more valuable, much closer to, to, to the value a prospect would hold in real life. I, I think a lot of times the people, the, the mistake people make in dynasty leagues is prospects, you know, they may play in a league where prospects aren't really discounted that much when they keep them, you know, more or less on, on similar terms to a major leaguer. And yet they'll value prospects the same way a real life major league team would and and that's not wise you're you're overvaluing the prospects in that case uh, so you have to be aware of that um what this has to do with the question you actually actually asked me well i mean in, in terms of what a, a old pitcher like scherzer would get back uh, would would fetch in return probably the number of prospects you get if it's if it's a dynasty league where prospects are genuinely hugely valuable because of how cheap they are to keep, then you should only really expect one top 50 type prospect in return. But if it's, if it's the other kind where uh, prospects are pretty dispensable or they should be anyway, then maybe you could get two or three. There is an issue potentially where it is a format where prospects are, are kept at a value similar to veterans so so they should not be that valuable in trades in other words but the league just doesn't understand that mm -hmm. <laughs> so trading for prospects is always a challenge and then maybe you go uh you you go for major leaguers who obviously aren't studs right now but show that kind of potential or or maybe they've underachieved a little this year like like a Dansby Swanson for instance 
and get two or three of those guys. So there, there are a few different ways you could go. Shane McClanahan. <laughs> I've been clamoring yeah, for him. it. Uh, but he's been much better his last two starts, so it might be a little bit harder to get him now. And I do think it is a tough question, Scott. And you did a good job articulating it there. And I think from Dynasty League to Dynasty League, it's, it's going to be different. Like, just because I get a haul for Max Scherzer in my league doesn't mean that someone else could do the same thing. So it's kind of similar to salary cap leagues in that way when people ask for, oh, well, how do you value this player? What should he go for? Every league is different. So it's really hard to say and, and put like an exact value on someone. What I would say is closer to your trade deadline, you make your veteran starting pitchers, your veteran players available. Try and create bidding wars among teams that need starting pitching because while Max Scherzer is an older asset and obviously he's not very desirable in a dynasty league. He's still a really, really good pitcher and should be able to help someone win this year if that's the yeah. missing piece that they need. So I would try pitcher, and create create that uh, that bidding war amongst multiple teams if you can. Pitchers who are performing, whether they're young or old, or should be the easiest assets to trade because every single team needs another one of those. You know, it, it might be hard to find a team with an opening at third base where you to to for you to pawn off your your extra your excess there but starting pitcher there's always a need for every single team. Another question that we received Scott and it's really on the opposite end of the spectrum talking about going from veteran starting pitcher starting pitchers to pitching prospects. In a vacuum, do you look to cash in on top pitching prospects at their peak hype and trade them for established veterans or hold and hope they realize their promise? And I think in particular when we see what pitchers like Cade Cavalli and Reed Detmers are doing in the minors, right? They're creating hype right now. And we've heard time and time again, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. When you see them performing that way, does your mind automatically set off a little light bulb and say, well, let me just see. Let me see what I can get for these guys while they're dominating in the minors. So my general philosophy with regard to pitching versus hitting in Dynasty specifically is to build your own hitting and buy your pitching because the trajectory for pitching prospects is the most difficult to project in terms of who's going to be good, who's not going to be good. Like Shane Bieber wasn't that big of a prospect, you know, and somebody, I, I don't know who, who who's, who's an awesome pitching prospect who just hasn't panned out. I mean, there's so many, it's hard to even Julio Arias until this year. I mean, he yeah, hasn't really... I mean, we could do better than that. It's Jesus, just they, they... Jesus, Jesus Lozardo, Scott. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's kind of early to say, but you know, like there was there was a point in time where Alex Reyes was the biggest pitching prospect. Forrest Whitley was the biggest pitching prospect. Yeah, uh, Mackenzie Gore. Look what's going on with him. He hasn't reached the majors yet. But and there's plenty of guys who are great throughout their minor league career, and they reach the majors and they just couldn't figure it out. So that happens all the time at starting pitcher and the opposite end, where. You know, this guy doesn't look like that big of a prospect, but then he becomes a stud. That happens a lot too. Corbin Burns is a good example of that in addition to uh, the ones I've already named. So I like to buy my pitching rather than than build it with prospects. So if I do get a prospect who is lighting it up in the minors, look, it's really hard to bring yourself to trade that guy. I'd like to say I do it more often than I actually do. But it's probably a good idea. I know, so for instance, Matt Manning, I traded him in a dynasty league recently. But I already saw he was struggling at AAA and started to develop concerns about him. He was he was close to untouchable 
for me before that. Now he still happened to have a lot of dynasty value because it's a deep dynasty league and everybody could use starting pitchers. So I don't feel like I got a bad return for him. Um, Mitch Haniger and Danny Duffy were both parts of the return I got for, for Matt Manning in that trade. But, you know, the other end of the spectrum, I tried dealing Ian Anderson when it was announced he was getting called up for the Braves in that same dynasty league. I tried to deal him and nobody was willing to pay out the nose for him like I wanted them to. So I ended up holding on to him and obviously that one's worked out great. So as a general rule, I would say it's a good idea to trade pitching prospects because their, their trajectory is very difficult to predict, but you know, it's, it's, it's more of a guideline than a rule to quote Peter Vankman from Ghostbusters. (laughs) Some really nice dynasty talk there. And, uh, Let's get back into Monday's action. Some stud hitters doing studly things. Ronald Acuna hit his 20th home run of the season. Manny Machado went three for four. That game is actually still on. He's currently three for four with a sock and a shoe. Yeah. He hit his he Put hit him on. three-run home run off of Julio Arias. That was Manny Machado's 11th homer of the season. He also added his eighth steal. So while the batting average in the OPS hasn't been great, he's still making things happen in terms of power and speed there for Machado. And per Kevin Acey, who covers the Padres for the San Diego Union Tribune, he tweeted this out uh, after Machado hit his home run in, in the first inning that Machado's OPS over his last 14 games, 55 plate appearances, 10.63. So very nice uh, Manny Machado coming around here. Mookie Betts hit his ninth home run of the season and... We could use it. We can use it, Mookie Betts. Let's keep it going. Yordan Alvarez, one for three with his 10th home run of the season. Lefty on lefty. I was, I love a nice lefty on lefty home run, Scott. Cattell Marte, <laughs> two for three with a walk, an RBI, and a run scored for Arizona. I think a name to watch around the MLB trade deadline could be Cattell Marte. Some yep. leftovers from Monday. Kyle Muller was at the Mets. He started the second game of the doubleheader. Four innings, one run, two walks, three strikeouts. Kind of interesting start here. He averaged 94.9 miles per hour on the fastball. He mixed in a slider and a curve. The uh, minor league numbers, good ERA, high whip, walks a a good amount of people, but lots of strikeouts for Kyle Muller. So 5% rostered. I I don't think you need to do anything yet, but throw him on the scout team, Scott. He's interesting. If he can get the walks down... You know, high spin rate on the fastball. It looks like there's enough of a secondary arsenal there. Uh, he he could amount to something. Definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Adbert Alzali made his return versus Cleveland. Four and two-thirds, three hits, three runs. Two That came on two home runs, one walk, five strikeouts, only five swinging strikes. Uh, the velocity on his slider was down about two miles per hour, so we will monitor Adbert Alzali. But I think this is... His last two starts, basically, the one right before he went on the IL and this one, pretty subpar for uh, for Alzali here. Bobby Bradley hit his fifth home run in 14 games. That is a 53 home run pace over 150 games, which I am not expecting from Bobby Bradley. Uh, the strikeouts <laughs> have been on the rise recently, too. It's now up to a 26% strikeout rate, which yeah. is manageable. But if he gets closer to like that 30% and he eclipses that where he has been in the past, that's really going to put a damper on Bobby Bradley. So ten, 10 strikeouts in his past six games. So it's yeah. it's been going up. Power and strikeouts. That's that's what he brings to the table. You just hope he can limit the latter enough to to get to the former. Scott, someone you wanted to talk about that you brought up right before we started was Tony Kemp, who went two for four with a walk and his fourth stolen base for the Oakland A's. He's only eleven percent rostered. Very surprising. 
He's batting 280 with an 853 OPS. Where, if yeah. anywhere, should you add Tony Kemp? Well, the thing is, you know, we we talk about we talk about Jonathan India's performance since the end of April. Tony Kemp, not even including this game, Tony Kemp since the end of April is batting 296 with a 395 on base percentage and a 520 slugging percentage. Um, actually, this was his this was his first steal since April, so hasn't been doing a ton of that, but getting on base a ton, which was something he always did in the minors. I don't think he can honestly match Jonathan India home run for home run. And him being a left-handed hitter, he doesn't quite play every day for the athletics, but the fantasy point total during that time is very similar to India. So I don't think I don't think in a 12-team league I'm probably going for Kemp just yet, but Maybe like a, a a roto league that uses OBP instead of batting average, he becomes pretty interesting. And there's always a chance he starts to play more and and becomes more impactful. The playing time is a big impediment to his production right now, but he's with those on base skills, he's looking pretty interesting. Wrap up with some bullpen updates to call to the pen. Edwin Diaz got his 15th save of the season. Then in the second double second game of the doubleheader, Will Smith got his 14th save of the season for Cleveland in a 4-0 game. Emmanuel Class A pitched in the eighth inning. Remember just last week, Scott, we were, we were so convinced. Emmanuel Class A is the closer. Yeah. Uh, and I, then, I don't know what happened. Yeah, he didn't, Class A didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, he faced but, uh, nine, nine, one and two in the order in the eighth inning, and then James Karinczak pitched in the ninth to face the middle of the lineup. He did walk too, but uh, came away unscathed, and James Karinczak got the save on Sunday as well with Class A pitching in the eighth. So, I yeah, don't know. It, it technically yeah. wasn't a save Monday. Yeah. It was Sunday. It wasn't Monday because um, Cleveland scored another run in the eighth. But but yeah, it was Karen Jack was being set up for the save, clearly. Mm-hmm. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Tuesday. Bailey O'Bear versus the Reds. Johan Oviedo at the Tigers. Ross Tripling at the Marlins. Cole Irvin at the Rangers. Andrew Heaney versus the Giants. And Chris Flexen versus the Rockies. That game is in Seattle. I will go Stripling at Miami, Flexen against the Rockies, Heaney against the Giants is going to be third for me just because he's so hit or miss. But I, you know, I actually don't mind Cole Irvin at Texas. I don't think that's a bad one. There, there are some decent ones for Tuesday. Yeah, well, tell that to Frankie Montas, Scott. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to stream or not to stream for Wednesday, Garrett Richards at Tampa Bay. Justice Sheffield versus the Rockies again in Seattle. Caleb Smith versus the Brewers. John Gant at the Tigers. Matt Manning versus the Cardinals. And Eric Fetty at the Phillies. Don't like this slate as much. Caleb Smith against the Brewers. This is definitely my favorite here. Really don't like any of the others, to be honest. I mean, John Gant at Detroit, that could work out okay, but he's been getting been getting beat up recently the reconciliation between the era and whip has happened eric fetty at philadelphia could work out okay but it's 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 too risky for me yeah i picked up fetty in one of my 15 team leagues the era and whip look fine the underlying numbers not nearly as good yeah i don't i don't love it matt manning versus the cardinals i guess is not terrible uh the cardinals have struggled in june they have a 270 woba which is 28th in baseball so 
if I had to choose like a second or third one, I I guess I would go with Manning, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't really love it. Some team name Tuesday. We'll wrap up here from Derek Schmidt. Scooble Steve. Who is, who, what is that? I don't know. Get the reference. From Big Daddy. Scuba Steve. Okay. You remember? Do you remember it? Uh, Adam I haven't Sandlin? seen Big Daddy. Oh, re- sorry. That one. Scott. That one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, that's a slap in the face, right? <laughs> Not having seen Big Daddy. Okay. Yeah. Big Daddy. Have you watched uh, Grandma's Boy yet? No. <laughs> Come on. The last Scott. the last movie I watched at your behest was Eurotrip. And oh, uh, that's why you will never take any of my recommendations again. <laughs> <laughs> You're finding a common theme, right? It's uh Pauly Shore, it's wait, Eurotrip, wait, wait. it's uh it's like corny, cheesy comedy movies. That's somebody in the comments here is saying I don't watch movies. That is not true. I just try to watch good movies. I watch lots of movies. I'm pretty good with movies. Okay. Music is the thing. That I don't, uh, I don't follow, follow so well. Oh man, yeah, Scott is sophisticated. He watched like Oscar-nominated movies. <laughs> I watch cheesy comedies. This next oh. one's from. <laughs> yeah, you you watch way more movies than me. There's no doubt about it. This one's from Kaz. Oh, I wonder, wonder who, but do who who wrote the book of love? Okay, I don't know if yeah. I did that any justice or not, but. <laughs> Shout out to Wander Franco. It's it's Wander Franco Day. We're getting loopy here. It's uh, it's one thirty a.m. on on the east coast. From Aaron, Chanho Park, your butt on Scott's new couch. Gosh, <laughs> that's a throwback. <laughs> Naming fantasy teams after Chanho Park in twenty twenty one. Twenty years late there. Yeah, uh, Plantier Flowers in Day Jardine. Is that a player? Jardine something. It sounds familiar. I think I think it's I think so. Uh, <laughs> but he's 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 recalling Phil Plantier here. So what are we doing? These That's are, even yeah. older than Chanho Park. Yeah. Do you do you know who Phil Plantier is, Frank? No idea. I thought he was the guy who made peanuts. Great batting stance, Phil Plantier. I and do hardly know her. Hmm. All right. Uh, All right. That works. Scopey do badoo. Or Scoopy Doobadoo, but yeah. See, if if you don't know how to pronounce scope, which looks like <laughs> scoop or shoop, shoop, then uh, then you're gonna have some bad team names. I don't know this one, so if you know it, Scott, let me know. I'm Sean Reed Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. Is is that is it? Does does that name sound like Chris Farley's character from the Saturday Night Live sketch, the living in a van down by the river guy? Is that is that who's that's is that supposed to be what that's referencing? That's my guess, but I don't know. Way over I my head. His name. Over my head, Scott. From Mike Wandervision. Shout out to okay. Wander Franco. That's that's uh, pretty topical, I guess. From Matt Foley was Chris Farley's character. Okay, I'm Sean. So that works. Reed Sean Reed Foley. Yeah, that can work. These next ones are from Ben in a city that hasn't won a major championship in 30 years. I don't know if this is Cincinnati or Minnesota. I spent way too much time looking this up before we started. To. Uh, yeah. Uh, in 30 years. So 30, how, how long was 1990 was 30 years ago. Fun fact, the Minnesota twins won the world series the year that I was born, 1991. Yeah. Yeah. It could be Minnesota. It could be since those are good guesses. Yeah. Since Frank seems to like wrestling, some wrestling themed team names. You could take this one off, Scott. Uh, Garrett Cole, baby. Macho man, Randy Dobnak. Love it. The phenomenal A.J. Pollock. 
and Strowman Reigns. Very good. Love him. And a couple others. Through the fire, ice, and flames. <laughs> Do you know where that's from, Scott? I mean, it it, it, it just sounds like a logical... Uh, no, I don't know where it's from. <laughs> <laughs> Through the fire and the flames, which is from Dragon Force. That's a, a callback to my Guitar Hero 3 days. It was a very popular song when I was in high school. From Robert, the office-themed. Bets, Bears, Battlestar Galactica. Yep. Yep. All right. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk all about Wander Franco. Bye-bye.